0: You see those uh, t-shirts that say, keep calm and eat bacon? Or I saw a bumper sticker the other day that said, keep calm and kill zombies. Uh, Where did all this keep calm and business come from? Do you know where this all started? It was June of 1939 when the British government wanted to issue some propaganda as they were preparing for the Second World War. The Ministry of Information in the British government was expecting this aerial assault and they were thinking this is going to be an, acop- an apocalypse, that the Third Reich was going to attack, they were going to bomb some cities in Britain, and they wanted to prepare the people for potential chaos. So. The Ministry of Information came up with this poster series and they wanted to make it red so it would get people's attention and inspire action. And they put the, a picture of the British crown on top to lend it some authority. And then they spoke very clearly, very plainly, keep calm and carry on. It wasn't until years later, actually, after the September 11th attacks when George W. Bush kind of brought it back into the scene, into the American scene, when he gave his own version of it, he said, keep calm and keep on shopping. And then he, and that phrase was used again after the economic collapse here in the States. And since then, it's kind of been popularized and, uh, and just you see it everywhere in different memes all over plaguing social media. But actually, it didn't start with any of that. Keep calm and carry on. God made that and he started it way back in Psalm 46 when God said, be still and know that I am God. That's a message that we want for our hearts today and that I want to share with you from Psalm 46 and really focus on those words, be still and know that I am God. As today we stand in this hall of sorts in this church and remember the confessors of the Augsburg Confession who stood in a hall of sorts on their own and confessed their faith, we want to state strongly and stand strongly on our faith in the teachings of Scripture, and as a result, they have an effect on us. So there's a word in keep calm and carry on or be still and know that I am God that's very vital for our understanding of it and our practice of it. And that word is that linking word, and. And was a big word for the confessors when the Bible's teachings were under attack by people who believed in faith and works by church groups who believe that you pray to Jesus and saints, and by the wider church that was looking for authority from both God's Word and church traditions and councils, and was a big word for the confessors and it is for us today. We're very careful of those couplets that I just mentioned to you. And is a big word in the phrase, keep calm and carry on. Because those are two things that you do together. And is a big word in that verse from Psalm 46. Be still and know that I am God. If I'm still without God, it does me no good. I will crash and fall like Psalm 46 talks about. If I know God and it doesn't result in me being still, that's just a head knowledge of God. So that's the direction we want to take, at least for the first part of the sermon today. And the second part, I'm going to show you some some of the pictures, the words in Psalm 46 that give us such confidence and remind us of how great our God is in Psalm 46. So, be still and know that I am God. Knowing that there is a God does me no good. It does me no good at all if... If I just simply nod in agreement that there's a big guy in the sky and then I go about my day playing God myself. So Psalm 46 is for people who like to play God, like to be in control, like to call the shots. And when I do, stress replaces stillness and pride pushes out piety of Christian living in my life. And self-delusional lies that I believe push away salvation truths if I am so busy playing God. So Psalm 46 speaks to people who want to play God. It also speaks to people who want to let God be God. We want to be those people today as we line up under our Savior and let him be our refuge and our strength and our ever-present help. So let's get into Psalm 46. Here's verses 1 through 3. You can follow those along in your Bible. They're in the worship folder. They're going to be projected on the screen too. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam... And the mountains quake with their surging. See, in the days of the Israelites, when this psalm was written, the Canaanites believed that their highest deities, the chief deity the gods of the Canaanites, they believed that they dwelled on the highest mountains. And from there, they looked down on the people and they blessed the people with prosperity and tranquility and security. And this psalm is telling us, nah, God is the mountain. You believe that? You believe God is God is your mountain? Let's be careful there. And here's why I want us to be careful. When we are religious enough to know God, but we're not totally devoted to him and we're devoted in some ways to ourselves and to, to my beliefs entitling me even to bad behavior and believing lies, then, and I'm not afraid of that, then God isn't my mountain refuge. <laughs> if I'm going to follow my strengths and my giftedness and uh, I want to rely on my strengths... To give me places in my career on my strengths to serve my family well, on my strengths to make it through trouble, like I'm an independent contractor from God, and I'm not afraid of that, operating on my own self-sufficiency, then God is not my, my mountain strength. I am. When, when I want to escape to alcohol or to caffeine as what I need to to alter my mood so that I'm happy. When my quiet time with God and my meditative time with Him is hijacked by screen time, which the entire intent of any screen you watch is to distract your attention and keep it there. And I'm not afraid of that. Then God is not my mountain ever-present help either that's where i need to go here and i want to be afraid of myself in some way in the right way so that i'm not afraid of what i shouldn't be afraid of so the ch- the problem is we believe we are our own refuge we believe we are our own strength we believe we are our own ever-present help god I got this, no problem, I can take care of this. Don't need you, thanks. I want to be afraid of that in my heart and in my life. So take your stand on earthly ideas or earthly success and your dreams and your desires. It's all going to just collapse like Psalm 46 talks about the mountains doing and the seas doing, and everything around them. Um, God will lift his voice, and the earth melts, it says. Take your stand on your own strength, as if you don't need God's help, and you will fall. Muhammad Ali has been in the news a lot lately. There's a a story that I read about Muhammad Ali that says... uh, his early, maybe it was earlier in his career, he boarded an airplane, and the flight attendant, he was sitting getting ready for the flight, and uh, the flight attendant said, um, excuse me, sir, would you put your seatbelt on? And Muhammad Ali said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And the flight attendant quipped back at him, Superman don't need no airplane either. Buckle up. How's that for a dose of humility? If we are going to appreciate everything that there is about the lofty statements of belief in the Augsburg Confession and and in Psalm 46, these great, good, awesome truths about God, if we're going to appreciate everything there is about those, then we need to appreciate everything that comes through a humble confession of our own sins and weakness first. And without that, we can't also have and the everything that God gives to us in Psalm 46. Here's a statement from the Augsburg Confession that says something like that. It says, people cannot be justified before God by their own strength, merits, or works, but are freely justified for Christ's sake through faith. We read that earlier. It goes on to say, to condemn what it calls the feebleness of mankind when they are without faith and without the Holy Spirit and govern themselves only by human strength. So, learn to fear your own idea of rest and rest in God, your refuge, alone. Learn to fear your own idea of strength and Find your strength in the Lord alone. Learn to fear your own, your own idea of what you need to help you be happy and have a good day and, and learn to rely on the help that only God can provide. That help comes in the form of this next part of the Psalm 46 that shifts bodies of water. So earlier we talked about this ocean that was roaring and foaming and pulling you under in this big wave, okay? That's an ocean, and now it changes the body of water to a river. So when the scriptures want to make your heart's desire something that's glad in God, they change from this foreboding, ominous, threatening body of water, this ocean that's overwhelming, to this flowing, serene, beautiful body of water, this river. So now, verses 4 and 5. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. God is the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Rivers provide access to something, right? They can bring trade ships into an inland port, they can bring irrigation to farmers' crops and to cattle. Rivers can vitalize a downtown, like Town Lake or the San Antonio Riverwalk. That's what rivers do. They, they have access to life. The Bible is saying here that, you, that, that this river, instead of crashing down upon you, God's river carries you to Him. It gives you access to God. So like for Noah and his family, the waters of the flood didn't crash and drown them, but actually carried them above the tumultuous mountains in the flood. The waters of baptism, instead of crashing down on you, carry you and, and make you close to God just like Noah was and make you a righteous person blessed in baptism. Earlier the psalm talked about the mountains falling uh, and now it says that you, as someone who's in this city of God and connected to God through this river, okay, as a believer in God, you're in this, you're, you're so close to God that he's in you and you're in him. That's how close you are. You will not fall. I use uses the same word. Kingdoms and mountains fall, but you as a believer of God do not fall. The word in the Hebrew there means topple or Stagger like a drunken man. So the mountains, even the most solid creations on our planet, even the mountains will stagger. And the greatest of kingdoms will stagger like a drunken man. But you, filled with the Spirit, will not stagger and will not fall. In relationship with God because you are the, His river of grace brings you so close to Him. Mountains stagger. Believers stand, even though we walk with a limp. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. If you know your own testament, in even a small way, you know that the patriarch of faith in the Old Testament for believers was Abraham. The Hebrews were Abraham's people. So it's a little odd that the psalmist here would say that that we are the, the, the God of Jacob is our fortress and not the God of Abraham. Why does he say the God of Jacob and not the God of Abraham? If you know Jacob's story, you know that Jacob... Abraham's grandson Jacob was was a conniver and a trickster. Uh, Yaakov, his name Jacob, means heel grabber because he was grabbing the heel of his brother Esau, his twin brother Esau, when they came out of their mother and they were they were born. It, it means a tripper upper. It means deceiver. He was a trickster. He tricked his dad and his brother to get the promised birthright in the family, and he stole that away from them. And then he. Then he ran away to his uncle Laban's house, but oh boy, got at work. Because there, his uncle Laban was a trickster too and gave him a taste of his own medicine. When Jacob finally ate some humble pie and realized that he couldn't out-trick Laban, he, he kind of got tired of that. He, he understood himself a little more and it was time for Jacob to go back home. Back to the brother. He had cheated out of his birthright who said, his brother said that he would not even let Jacob live. And on his way back to see his brother, to go back home, to reunite with his family, Jacob, in the middle of the night, had this strange wrestling match where this man appeared and started grappling with Jacob. And Jacob asked who it was, and he said, I'm not going to tell you, and they grappled some more. And then finally in the story we realized that this is God coming down in, in this human form to wrestle with Jacob. And Jacob wouldn't let God go. And God wanted to keep Jacob close. And it was like two opponents on the same team who were fighting with each other. And finally, the Bible says that God wrenched Jacob's hip so that he wasn't able to fight very well anymore. And, and the wrestling match ended. And from then on, then on, Jacob walked with a limp And the Hebrews took his name, and God gave him a new name, Israel. Israel. At that moment, that's where the name Israel came from, from Jacob. And Israel means struggle with God, God God-wrestler. The Bible in Psalm 46 is saying that you are a God-wrestler. You have the namesake of the one who wouldn't let go of God no matter what, and the God who wouldn't let go of him either. Away from that wrestling match, one of them limped away with a career-ending injury that always reminded him that he wasn't stronger than God. Always reminded him to be still and find his strength in the Lord. The other eventually walked with a limp, too. But he was limping, not because he had a wrenched hip, but because he was carrying a cross through the streets of Jerusalem up to the hill of Calvary. This second Jacob, who was the favorite son of God, but not the favorite son of man, Who struggled with God and wrestled with God in Gethsemane in his prayers, Lord, take this cup from me. Who struggled with God and wrestled with God on the cross when he said, Why have you forsaken me? Who wouldn't let God go, and his father wouldn't let him go either. They were that close. Scarred, he returned home victoriously and reunited God with his brothers and sisters and made peace. That second Jacob, Israel, is Jesus, your Savior. Here in the God of Jacob, we see Jesus in Psalm 46. We, we see the, the red line of uh, descendants and ancestry running through the Old Testament all the way to when Jesus was born. And Jesus as a second Jacob. Psalm 46 is saying to you that Jesus is your faithful forgiver for all the sin and shame that you cannot bear. He takes that for you. Psalm 46 is saying that Jesus is your faithful fighter. And when you don't have the strength to fight, he fights for you. Psalm 46 is saying that Jesus is your faithful fortress. He is the one to whom you should escape when you can't handle and when you're overwhelmed. Here are the great promises of God and His own Son, Jesus. Be still and stand on Jesus. Verses 8 to 10. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Alright, so I've studied and spoken Psalm 46 for 25 years and never realized this until I studied it this week. Maybe one of you will have an aha moment because of it too. I hope you do. I always thought, be still and know that I am God, that he was speaking to me. But I don't think he is. I always thought that he was speaking to believers, to the church. But strong evidence right around this verse, you're looking at it, you might be able to find it, suggests that he isn't speaking to you and me, to believers, when he says, be still. I've used this <laughs> to, to comfort and calm people and I've, I've preached on it to say, be, be still, take it easy, God's in control. And you can get that from it, but I think there's a, there's a stronger sense here that God is not talking to you who is he talking to? Who is, he, who is the psalm just talking about just before this? You can see it up there in these verses. The psalm is talking about all the kingdoms of the world. The psalm has been talking about the most secure elements of our creation, the mountains and the ocean. It's talking about kings and rulers who oppose him. This is God commanding his enemies, Be still. And this is not a polite invitation. This is a strong imperative command from God. To all of your enemies who want to haunt and harass you. To your sinful flesh that makes you less of a Christian than you want to be. To your sin and shame and guilt that you have for past sins and for secret sins that only you and God know about. This is the almighty, the almighty Lord, the God of Jacob, saying to those enemies, Stop! Surrender now. Be still. I am exalted. I am the mountain. You are not in control. Be still. Because your God speaks to enemies that can hurt or harm you and tells them to surrender. Then, and, you can be still. That's how it works both ways. I want to read you some words to wrap this up that that were written the day after the Federal Aviation Administration closed all of our nation's airports for the first time. These words were written, Our lives have been rocked, everything that seems so solid has been shaken. The twin towers of the World Trade Center, the Pentagon, symbols of American strength and stability, taken out by terrorist attack, changed forever by the four homicidal jet crashes of September 11th. We have been attacked and will never feel completely safe again. But there is one thing we can do, one term we should remember. SCATANA, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it's S-C-A-T-A-N-A. That's a term for a special military operation, meaning security, control of air traffic and navigation aids. That's a fancy way of saying all civilian airplanes were grounded when September 11th happened. But there was something else that took to the sky not civilian airplanes but military fighters to protect us and to keep us safe from any further attack. That's a good lesson for us when we when you are in a time of crisis and whether that's a big calamity that has happened to you or the, or some chaos or it's an everyday battle with yourself that you fight go to the ground. Go to the ground and be grounded In God as your mountain of refuge, your mountain of strength, your mountain of help, and let God take the air. Let God control the sky, the heavens, and be the one who is high above, even yourself. That's being still and knowing God, whose majesty is higher than the mountains, and his mercy is just as deep who knows you, is close to you, and loves you, and wants to be all of your refuge, all of your strength, all of your help, all the time. Amen.